and welcome to the Fantasy Book of the Month podcast, uh, where we get together and we talk about things and sometimes books. Uh, what are I, books, Katie? They're pieces of tree that you smush together with more tree. Oh, so it's like a super tree. Yes. Oh, man. I swear we could do an entire show just asking Katie to try to explain things. Oh my god, I already have to do that with my kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that'd be a great show. Just let children ask Katie life questions. Oh no. Oh, <laughs> that'd be a great show. Alright, children, give me your life questions. What is a book? I already did that one, damn it. Listen the first we time. covered that one. Oh, sorry. My what brain. is a question? Is God real? Is oh God, God a book? <laughs> no. Sorry, I was, to, I was trying to segue us in, although we haven't introduced ourselves yet. Are oh, you, you know what? God. You know what I discovered recently, though? What? Um, Prentice Onayemi yes. narrated the Bible on Audible. Oh. I oh might actually God. listen to the Bible. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who that is. Who is that? Uh, the world's yeah. one of the world's best na- uh, narrators. <laughs> he has very, very he did, sexy voice. Uh, sexy voice. He did um, Rage of Dragons. That's the one I couldn't remember all of a sudden. Yeah. Okay, I'm not listening to audiobooks. <laughs> I won't. I won't recognize the name. Okay, carrying on. Uh, uh, I, wow. Um, so I am Nick, and over here we've got Rachel. Hi. Peter. Hello. And Katie. That's me. Yay! Wow. <laughs> oh, sorry. Howdy, howdy. <laughs> there you go. Okay, there okay. we go. Do now you, we're so good. We, ever, we got we that ever, all wrong. So do we think? do you think we ever, like, confuse people with our voices like i hope so because i don't want to be held held accountable for any words i say because i know my friends mix up uh, (laughs) the two old men because they have old men voices Mm. yeah yeah we do we do but we only have one old man here today and that's me who is actually peter uh and i'm the other one of the female voices rachel (laughs) i'm the other female voice nick Nicola. Nicola. You know, Nicole is an actual name. So is Nicola. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but isn't that like Tesla? So that's. I actually, I believe Nico's real name is Nicola. You don't even know his real name. I'm pretty sure it's Nicola. Is it Nicola or Nicolo? No, I think it's Nicola. I'm like, I'm, it... like I'm like 70% confident that that's on his birth certificate. It's Nicodemus, yeah. isn't it? It's Nicodemus. <laughs> oh my god, that's a great I hope name. So. Well, we all know Katie's real name's not Katie anyways. Right. It's true. So, it's, it's Martha. It's Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Nick. So, what oh, are we man. doing here today, Katie? What are we on earth doing here? Well, <laughs> I thought I'd maybe drag this on. Um, yeah, why not? You know, I'm Katie this episode. Let's just okay, go. Katie. All right, what I'm in. Um, yeah, we're we're here today to talk about the topic of gods. 
That's which, a big topic. Yeah. We might not be equipped to really fully discuss this. I don't know. I'm yeah. not. No. We kind of just picked it, and it's very easy. I literally, I picked my book because I got in the title. <laughs> yeah, me too. Okay, also- yeah, but, but, sorry, sorry to jump over you. Um, we're not here to talk about gods. We're here to talk about fantasy books with gods in them or related to gods or gods related to fantasy literature. We're not going to be sitting here and discussing theology. We're going to be sitting here and discussing gods in fantasy books, which that I feel much more equipped to discuss personally. I don't know about the other three of you. What are your favorite type of gods? Like mine are like the ones that you, that gain power through belief so they can die. Yes. Yeah. Like the Kuotoa's gods. gods? (laughs) (laughs) You you mean by our favorite gods, you mean what is our favorite way that fantasy gods work? Yeah. In in fantasy, right? Yeah. I was thinking like the Maslin gods kind of work like that slightly. Uh, Or Hmm. it. I I agree with you. I, I love when, when their power is derived from like the amount of people that have faith in them and that so is it kind of like the 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 power of christmas where like (laughs) santa you need to sing for him to be able to power his sleigh or or uh the tinkerbell you have to believe um um, i I, I think oh go ahead rachel i just read a book uh spine of the dragon by kevin anderson um from doom dune fame uh, he, the way the gods work in that book is they are powered by belief and they only exist through the belief of humans. So mm-hmm. the more people believe, the stronger they are. And I they think physically manifest through that. Mm-hmm. I, I think that sort of structure, uh, you know, gods relying on or being shaped by belief gives gods an understandable. A need like it gives them a resource that they require it gives them you know a uh, potential scarcity um in mm-hmm. a way that makes them more accessible as characters rather than plot devices and both have a, a place they're just, they're very different places so i think i think yeah like that kind of metaphysical or cosmological structure makes them more useful in in a story in a narrative um it also it's interconnectedness of the people with the gods because the people the gods need the people to believe in them but the the people also need the gods to protect them to give them luck yada 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 right right and so yeah so it, as as a writer, you obviously want to try to avoid the the dreaded Deus ex machina, right? Where you just have like a god just come in and just kind of save the day, and oh, everything's better now because of the untamed power, right? Yeah, uh, so I, narratively, I, you want to avoid solving the problems without player agency or without character agency. At least today, you do, right? The Deus ex machina comes from an era where what you what was desired in your narrative fiction was for the gods to come in and solve the problems. It can right, be right. 
Yeah, like it, in defense of it, in defense of it, it can be fun if you just want to have. Uh, this is a badass. This is a badass doing badass things. Sure, it's it, it can be fun to watch or, or to read something about a hyper capable character. I've enjoyed a few books like that myself, um, and you know, and gods or demigods or something are one place you can get your hyper capable characters. Um, I don't have a follow up from that. Well, yeah, and then it's interesting to play off the hyper character player, like the humans versus a demigod. Mm -hmm. So I I believe that um and and Peter you might know better than I actually but I do believe that deep in like Dungeons and Dragons lore that is actually how gods work as well, um where if they if people don't have faith in them, gods can actually technically die. Um, and I believe I, there's like a uh, a realm uh, full of like essentially like giant statue corpses of dead gods and stuff in some uh, D lore. I'm I would bet money on that existing somewhere in some D and D lore. <laughs> yeah, it might be like whether it's like Forgotten Realms or a different setting. Yeah, I could sure. I could see that being someplace in Forgotten Realms, although I also I, I feel like gods relying on belief and worship and being shaped by it uh probably in D D had its center in the planescape setting. Um That could be. Which was all about, you know, the the infinity of the multiverse and having a whole bunch of gods from a whole bunch of different planes and that kind of thing i don't i don't know for sure there may have be it may have been some places here and there where that showed up otherwise outside of planescape in second third or fourth edition i haven't been following fifth edition terribly closely and i don't know if it's shown up anywhere there but given my understanding of the current design goals i would expect them to have avoided statements like that yeah, this was this have. was lore from older books. Was my understanding from watching YouTube videos. Talking probably Got first, it. second edition. Got it. Then I, I would I would bet money on there being some Planescape uh, supplement or something where you find the you know the field of of dead gods or something like that. I just I, I find that way more interesting, I suppose, and I think most people do than just like all powerful. Uh, just unstoppable forces, although they have their place too in some narratives. But what other kinds of gods are there, I guess, in stories? Like maybe some books that you guys read for this podcast this month. I don't well, know. Well, so yeah, without without going to the book that I've read, um I so I have been reading the uh the Wheel of Time series, which I may have I think I might have mentioned last time we met. Um, no, I did because it was my entry for our epic fantasy discussion. Um, and they talk about basically two gods. Um, there is the, the creator who, as far as I can tell, never takes a hand in anything. They just kind of, everyone presumes that there is a creator that created the world and that was it. Um, and the dark one that is the the root of all corruption in some ways um and and that the 
you know, the world is kind of a tussle between those two things. Although, again, the creator is absolutely, a, as far as I can tell, a non-interventionist god um, outside of, I don't know, creating a world that has this fate or destiny that seems to be playing out in the books. I have not finished the series yet, so I don't actually know if any of that is made to be untrue. Um, so so the, the Dark One is not a not a character again maybe that changes in the last book or two but um but is you know just a force right the this is the it is an an the antagonistic force that the heroes have to struggle against um not a matter of deus ex machina but a matter of oppositional plot and danger and motivation i suppose yeah yeah it's the threat right that kind of reminds me. These, I haven't read these books, so these I'm only getting th this lore through what I read of the wiki and fan fiction. So, okay. Um, the Animorph solid resources. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> the Animorph books. There are the two uh, two gods that are opposing each other: the light god and the dark god. I forgot. I don't know their names. Uh, where they are playing their game of chess with the protagonists like the protagonists hmm. are the pawns of the light god sorry if that's spoilers but i don't know i haven't read the series yeah yeah it's um there's always something i find dissatisfying about um stories where people are effectively just, you know, being kind of being played by the gods. Um, you know, because I think, did I mention, did we, no, it was a different discussion, but it could, because it, it removes character agency. Right, yeah. right. The um, fun part yeah. is when the characters are actively trying to get out of the Medusa of the gods um and not act with their will and or act with their own will okay and yeah and i can see that being an engaging part of the story right <laughs> where the the characters have agency they've just been denied it for a while and they're trying to escape this the grip of fate or destiny or something like that that i find compelling or potentially compelling anyway when Dan gets back, I'll have to ask him about uh, Animorphs and his journey with Animorphs. Has he he's read them all? I assume. <laughs> I don't know. I know he was reading I, okay. Them. I think he okay, was. I think he was making taking a personal journey through the the that's, labyrinth that's of Animorphs. That that uh, book series has strangely been popping up more and more, and uh, just people I'm talking with, which is yeah, very interesting to, to me. I haven't thought about it since elementary school. <laughs> If you want a quick four-hour summary, watch How to Trave Your Dragons. I read all of Animorphs. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Did you say four-hour? Yeah, I put it in the Discord. Um, it's a long I'm, series. I'm going to not watch that. Uh, he also did a three-hour I read all of the Goosebumps books. I'm going to still not watch that. It's not actually a four-hour and a three-hour. It's they're They're... Uh, it's a it's a series of one hour episodes. I'm and now you're gonna binge watch, watch them, that. right? No, yeah. mm. uh, uh nope. I just think about how I watch Netflix, and it's like 
four-hour movie? No way. Four-hour show of four episodes that are an hour each. Oh, yeah, I'll binge that. <laughs> I just watch it all in one sitting. <laughs> it's funny. I go the opposite way entirely. I say, oh, a movie. It's like three hours. Yeah, sure. At least I know it'll be over when it's done. You know, <laughs> no. oh, a 30-minute episode? How many are there? I don't know. What if there's another? What am I committing to? Um, I have a funny story about this um, that I can tell off air so we don't get sidetracked from books to TV. All shows. right. So we're talking about gods. Um, like, as noted, as, you know, as Rachel brought up, I think one of the strongest way to have gods as characters whether or not they're the protagonist, um, right, is is to have them be reliant on humanity for something, and and this this comes up very well in uh, uh, Small Gods, the uh, Terry, Terry Pratchett book, which is effectively about a, a great and powerful god who uh, who has been laid low by by his followers ceasing to believe in him and begin and believing only in the institution the the religion the religious edifice rather than the god itself um and of course then we follow his very personal journey uh to you know to reclaim some kind of per power by having one follower yes rachel yeah. I was going to say one of my favorite subgenres that I've talked about. Can you guess my favorite subgenre? <laughs> you mean the, the um, was it the one where you level up and stuff? Progression fantasy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one of the, the tropes in that is leveling it up enough to punch God. Ah. <laughs> or effectively be a God, right? I mean. Yeah. And I think was, that's isn't that like one of Goku's like in Dragon Ball Z? Or don't they have like a, eventually like a God mode or something? I don't know. I haven't or, watched it. I think it's like Super Saiyan God or something. Like eventually, gets to that level. Um, but I also find that intriguing when people can become gods through deeds, through mm -hmm. gaining enough power, such as in which is a common, mm -hmm. which is tends to be the threat or like the want in cultivation, where you cultivate enough power to become immortal. Mm -hmm. But, uh, or yeah, I mean, ever since Journey to the West, right? Yeah, that is one of the forebears of cultivation, progression, fantasy. I'll stop there before I put my foot in my mouth. <laughs> um, I, I think one of the things that we are touching upon here, though, is that um, limitations is what makes gods interesting. Uh, well, I, limitations is what makes gods interesting characters. Yeah, first not plot element. Right, 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 right. That's well. That's what I'm always thinking about is <laughs> characters. Well, but so because that's a good a, point, I mean, though. Like as I brought, you know, I brought up the the gods in the Wheel of Time and their yeah. plot elements, but there are more compelling or engaging examples of that. Like I, uh, Three Parts Dead by Max Gladwell, I believe, um, is, that is the yes, that's the first book in the Craft series. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, is effectively that book in particular is effectively a like a god has died, and the main character is tasked with like forensic accounting of where uh, the god's power was committed because the god's power was tied up in arcane contracts that fed 
its power into uh uh you know like heating the city and power was it might have been powering trains i'm not entirely sure um but like you know and giving and sending magical power to like other allies and things but basically it was all about like the contracts that distributed this god's power and which ones had overdrawn and pulled out so much magic energy that it killed the god and and so like in in a far more kind of complex way the god was the plot um and yes not a character again because uh, i don't i'm not couldn't i don't think the god has like a reliance on there's more to the world building that I than I know because there are more books than I've read. And so I couldn't say for sure if the gods, you know, rely on faith in some fashion or belief, or if they might have they might have been like just people who got a hold of so much power that they were effectively gods. I don't remember. Or I one, never learned. Yeah. Well, one thing I was gonna mention was this idea of gods having spheres of influence, though, which is inherently oh, a bit yeah. of a limitation, mm -hmm. right? Because they usually only have power, uh, and it may be depending on the case, it may be unlimited power or it may be limited power, but mm -hmm. only within certain spheres. That's true, and so like I mean, that's the thing. Like I'm most familiar with that from Dungeons and Dragons, where like in Second Edition, for example. Um, the spheres of influence of your patron deity determined which spheres of clerical magic you can draw from, right? Like you are a cleric of the god of the hearth and the harvest and something. And so you get to use a scythe for your weapon and you can do plant magic and healing or something like that. Um, as opposed to war themed magic, if you're following the war god. And those gods are usually so great because like the ones that you think about have such broad spheres of influence that they kind of, they get, they fall back into the plot element or setting element theme. But then you get stories where you have like the God of, I don't know, like the, you know, the God of lost left socks. Um, right. Something yeah. very obscure and <laughs> limited and small, right? Or like the god of this creek, this creek that lasts about three quarters of a mile before it's reabsorbed by the river or whatever. Um, yeah. And they're kind of less gods, more spirits, kind of. Yeah. And, but, you know, and having that, that limit is what makes them you know, more interesting characters. It gives them like, it gives them that limitation that makes them interesting and, and, and not just a solution. And that can go into world building with, um, I was reading the tie, the tie trial, the tie child trilogy by RJ Barker. The, the first book is the bone ships and it follows the, the maid, the maiden and the crone. Mm -hmm. Like a traditional fate uh, triad. Yeah, and it's mostly into swears and the under their version of the underworld and things like that. Right. Um, oh, I think I think it was the the maiden, the mother, and the crone. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it goes. It's mostly world building. Then 
character real like the crone mm. shows up when like the characters on the, the the main characters on the brink of death but it doesn't she doesn't have like a voice or anything yeah um Piers Anthony had some interesting ideas with the Incarnations of Immortality series where he made um, these kind of godlike roles be offices that that people took up and then executed. And then at some point they died or passed their, their offices into mortality onto other people. Now, Piers Anthony was, is, and remains a problematic writer that I do not recommend people read, but there were some interesting ideas in these, uh, in those books. Yeah, I think I've read something similar to that, but I can't think of a, an example at this point in time, because it is an interesting concept. Mm -hmm. um, it kind of happens in the Cradle series with your, the, if you count the Abaddon as gods, they're basically all powerful space beings. So yeah, yeah. that can punch people into oblivion. So, well, I mean, sure. Like, yeah, me too. Uh, they're basically immortal, but they can retire and pass on their mantle to others. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting form of God as well, because it's it kind of is debatable if like, are they the God or is the title the position? You know, I don't know how to how do I Yeah, well it's or you know, it's a it's a godly or divine mantle that someone can Right, wear. right. Yeah. It's yeah. it's a job. Right. Yeah. Eh, it's a living. It's like the Santa Claus with Tim Allen. It's just oh a job. My God. The guy. Oh, God. Same thing. That might be where I'm getting the, this coming from, <laughs> this idea. Well, I think it's also um featured in a book series I've kind of talked about on this podcast before which is um uh the first one's called the ruin of kings by jen lyons you have talked about which that. which we all had i think which I, I mean i certainly have mixed feelings on i overall i like them but um she makes some weird choices but yeah there's those gods are in in a way sort of like that and while the the quote-unquote gods of the story um are characters it is explained later their backstory and how they got to where they are and arguably revealed that they're not maybe gods as much as people think the only thing i know about that series from uh, other than what you said nick is that the family tree is weird uh yeah probably <laughs> so convicted such conviction now i'm reminded of roger zelazny's lords of light book and i wish i i do not remember it almost at all i might have not read it i don't remember um but i regret not knowing it better because zelazny has always been such an interesting writer um but i believe in it people who have a great deal of technological power take on the role of I think the Hindu gods, um, uh, but it's, and I don't remember anymore. It's not clear to me where I am right now, whether they, you know, actually had mystical powers or if it was all technology or what, but. Uh, technology is sufficiently advanced magic. Can be. 
Wow, that's a that's a deep pull, Rachel. <laughs> oh, it's not so deep. Come on, it's, also, uh, it's a it's a twofer. It's the two people are getting two different things out of it. Um, do we want to talk about our individual books? Yeah, sure. I can go first. Um, okay. I, I I actually really just quickly want to mention one last book. Um, yeah, yeah. It's again, it's a book I've talked about in this podcast before. I think it was one of the first books I reviewed, maybe. Um, which was the uh, the Paladin trilogy. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. We, had to, we had to try to find it, and we couldn't find it. Yeah. Um, that actually, this this um goddess that creates uh that imbues her power to create this paladin to represent her um is actually a long forgotten goddess that was essentially gone and dead and like so many years had gone by people there wasn't even a trace of her nobody even knew she ever existed and um it was like the the cry of a little girl who needed help that like reawakened her and reawoke her power into the world which i i found to be really just a cool way of introducing uh, this this goddess. I guess that kind of goes back to the idea that like it's the it's the amount of people that have faith in them that can. Mm-hmm. Although technically nobody had faith in her, it was just within her sphere. I guess I don't I don't know exactly. It's just right. Something, really something like related that. to her old rituals or, or something that, that triggered a, a minor reawakening, I guess. Yeah. Tinkerbell. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so I will go first then, if we're done okay. with the... Uh, so I read uh, City of the Plague God by Sarwat Shada, which cool. is... Uh, middle grade book, part of the Rick Riordan Presents imprint, which are really Rick Riordan has an imprint. Yes, out of Disney Hyperion. Out of what now? Hyperion. Oh, I don't know uh, how I feel about that. I feel bad about that. I changed my mind. I know how I feel. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> Uh, which are Rick Ryan presents basically are very they have similar similar concepts but I don't know I haven't read them all to the Percy Jackson series where different authors write about the different mythologies different about and their different cultures this one specifically looks at Mesopotamian um, uh, mythology and it follows Seek who is a 13 year old just trying to help his parents at the deli when uh, a Nargal comes uh, asking, thinking that he holds the power to eternal life. And it's a journey uh, full of plagues, um, given the title, uh, and adventure going to the underworld and uh, grief. Gross. Uh, yeah, it is rather gross because the description of the plagues were kind of gross, even for me, a 24 year old. <laughs> Um, I've had enough plagues. Yeah. Anyways, it's just a th- single POV. I had uh, it was a little fast in pacing. Things just happened. Da, 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 da. But I'm also not child, so I might a child might enjoy that pacing better than me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, it was pretty engaging, and it was a pretty fast read, and it's only about 290 pages. But I would probably 
recommend this to uh, children probably around 13 or younger as well, given the main character's age, and particularly if they like mythology and interested in discovering other mythologies as well. Uh, the, what was I going to say? Things. Uh, something interesting with with the main character, he's devoutly Muslim throughout the entire book, even though he like encounters uh, the goddess Ishtar. Hmm. Uh, and it's the author describes it as the Thor conundrum from Marvel. <laughs> well, I mean, Thor's just an alien, as explained in the later book in the later movies. But it's not like in the beginning he's seen as a god. Yeah, yeah. Or is he a god or a superhero? Who knows? A god or hero? A god or Damarung? I don't know. Anyway. No. Okay. Yeah. It was just a fun middle grade. Well, not fun. It was kind of sad. But oh. uh, it, uh, it does grief and things like that. Uh, kind of sad you recommend or? Uh, not to. 13 year olds. Yeah. But. Okay. It, okay. Adults can read it too. I'm not gatekeeping middle right. grade books. <laughs> Right, so one one third of me can read it. Yes, um, but uh, I I do want to get more into the Rick Riordan presents, but I also don't really read middle grade that often, and when I do, it's middle grade from my childhood. So yeah, right. <laughs> like uh, I don't think I'll ever reread Percy Jackson, uh, like the first book because I hated the second series, um, but like. The Fable Haven series by Brandon Mole, uh, Charlie, um, uh, the Children of the Red King series by Jenny Nimmo, Septimus Heap by um, Say, um, Angie Sage are all like middle grade series from my childhood that I'm currently rereading <laughs> or have read, read, reread. All right. So, yeah, you're, you're, inter you're more interested in the nostalgia than middle grade fiction. Yeah. It, I mean, that's it, cool. I get that. I've reread middle grade books from my childhood for the same reason. Yeah, like um, Cornelia Funke. Oh, yeah, Cornelia Funke. Funke? Mm -hmm. Funke? Funke? I always hear Funke from the audiobooks. But then they're probably right. <laughs> I, I assume the narrator of the audiobooks are not going to pronounce the author's name wrong. Yeah, I no, I, I also presume that somebody told them how to pronounce it. That'd be I, awkward, huh? It would be, yeah. <laughs> um, I do like I'm moving away from my, YA, though the Queen's Thief series is really good YA as well. But I'm like I tried uh, a a popular YA book uh, and didn't like it and DNF'd it, so I'm, I won't name it it here. <laughs> but it was like this is 2012 tropes. Bye. <laughs> That's a lot of tropes. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> no, so that was meant. <laughs> so if you have young children or not children, but teenagers, <laughs> young teenagers uh, that won't about uh, that would like to learn more about Mesopotamian um, mythology and see a, a character interact with it, I would definitely recommend City of the Plague Gods by. Uh, so what? Uh, shut up.
Very cool. Very cool. Katie, I haven't I haven't heard much from you. And I want to hear more from you. Katie is dead. Oh shucks, darn it. Oh darn shucks it. <laughs> um excuse me. Excuse me, Nick. I wasn't talking to you. Katie. Katie. I, I was I was thinking though that that Katie has been very quiet. No, that's yeah. true. I would I would like to hear more from Katie. I'm I'm, well, I'm curious what she read. I'm just behaving how I like my gods to be, quiet and out of the way. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh <God. laughs> feisty! See, that's the kind of opinion that we should have been having during the general discussion, but it's too late now. That phase is over. So. <laughs> If we, if Katie, if you want to take a, a quick break before you introduce your book, what type of gods would we be if you had to pick? Like the four of us or the three of yes. us that aren't her? We can, she can do us and then we can do her. Oh, Jesus. Um, Rachel would be like the god of organization. <laughs> Pray. Pray to her if you have a, a deadline that you need to hit. Um, her prayer book is a calendar. <laughs> yes. No it's, a, no, it's an Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> oh, even better. Yes. <laughs> Filled with data. Mm -hmm. Um Peter would be the god of Just the god of lost left socks. Perfect. <laughs> Come and to me, lost left socks. Come to me. And Nick is just like an acolyte. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> of, of whom? <laughs> of what? Doesn't matter. Oh, Doesn't yeah. <laughs> He's the acolyte. He switches between the gods to see which one he likes best and which one does less work. <laughs> he's like a full. He's like a a, what is it, a permanent student, <laughs> always going to school. <laughs> that sounds like my hell. I hate <laughs> school. I wanted to get out as quick as possible. Katie, Katie, you have just you have just doomed Nick. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, so I think I think it's only doomed fair to let Nick. It's only fair to let Nick determine what kind of. Well, I would like to defend my answer of Nick, though. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> well, he's he he's to always rub like the, rub the dirt in the wound. Okay. I will get some salt too. Um, so. Mm, salty. He's dirt. always just like, yeah, man. I'm like so busy. I've got like six things going on. No, that's fine. I'll do this too. I'll add that to my pile. Oh, so I don't have time to become a god, is what you're saying? Pretty much. <laughs> I'm too busy. Maybe, maybe he's the god of multitasking. That is true. Well, I was thinking about today how, like, sometimes I brush my teeth in the shower so it's faster. Ew. But that just means you spend more time in the shower. It's not actually faster. You also have oh, to get the my god. It, it, yeah, uh, it's just. What, are you guys is, judging me right now? I'm sorry. This is not a. This is not a safe space for you guys to. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not condemning you. I'm giving you <laughs> practical advice. It's not. You're just distributing the time, not 
actually making it faster. Well, but then, but then I would I would spend an extra ten minutes in the shower just enjoying the hot water, and now I can not. Oh, do I that. see. I, I see. But yeah. you can rationalize being in the shower for longer. Right. I get right. you. Yeah. Exactly. No, um, Katie, you are the. I think you are the the devil. I think you're the <laughs> goddess of child discipline. <laughs> because a you've punished me by keeping me in school for the rest of my life and b you uh i would say about every episode i hear you with your son like no you get your head more like screen screen. um wait wait is she the god of child discipline or childish discipline you know that's a great question well, why not? You already had three ice creams today. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, Katie can also it. be a quite a child herself, right? Therefore, childish discipline. She could also be, though, the god of beautiful children because your your son is the cutest. Fucking right, he's gorgeous. Also, <laughs> he's so cute. Can I also be like the god of dick jokes just for fun? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why you're. You better make one real quick, though. Oh no, she's the she is the duality god of justice and order, oh, justice and chaos, or order and chaos. I don't know. I like the dick jokes better. Okay. <laughs> or, or the dual god of justice and dick jokes. <laughs> what a dichotomy! <laughs> right, exactly. What a dichotomy! <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. perfect. That's right within your sphere of influence. Ladies and Absolutely gentlemen, this is, is. why we're we like in not- my balls of influence. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's why we are not a kid-friendly podcast. Oh, thank you very much, everybody. We'll be here all week. Try the veal. Um, Ew! Don't try the veal. Try the really old cow steak. Is there that better? Go. Yeah. Okay. Yes. All right. Somebody talk about a book or something. That's you, Katie. Not All me, right. Katie, you, Katie. <laughs> yeah. Now that we've gotten that out of the way. Right. Um, so I read Warbreaker by Brandon Sanderson. What? I was actually I've, I've heard of that, that guy. Yeah, I was about to bring that up in the intro. Love I'm glad you didn't. Um, so this was actually my first time reading it because I, I didn't actually know that it existed until I went to... California, and I went to a used bookstore and found it for a dollar. So I, I now know this book exists. Also, I, I, yeah, super good. Oh, good. Oh, yeah. I I found the UK cover, which is the Supreme cover. Uh, I bet it is. This cover kind of oh. blows. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And it, I bought it because I was like, oh, I'm going to collect all the UK covers of this, like the Cosmere. And I opened it uh, and it was signed. And I was like, what? <laughs> Why is there? Wow. So, so now I. Why did some guy named Peter Schaefer sign my book? I don't know. <laughs> you, know you know what's great about that book? It's like it's a standalone. Oh, but not really. It is. Well, yeah. but it is explicitly part of the Cosmere. And uh, no, 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 it's going to have a sequel. Oh, okay. Well, it's been a standalone for a very long time. Um, but yeah, there's like a, a character in that book that is like explicitly featured in another series by him. Yes. Which was a very fun surprise for me when I got to that character. 
And if you're listening, reading to the Cosmere, read Warbreaker before you read the Stormlight Archives. Well, yeah. now I'm prepared to start the Stormlight Archives in like 10 years because they're really thick and intimidating. That's be. what she said. Oh, God, wait, yeah, I'm you just made still a dick making joke. dick jokes. I'm not trying to. No, it's no, just, it's just it just comes naturally. It just comes naturally, and it's uh, just so hard. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think of the of Sanderson's early books, excluding the World of Time series. I think Warbreaker is my favorite. Like Elantris, yeah. Mistborn, uh, Warbreaker. I think Warbreaker is my favorite. I, there were a lot of similarities to Elantris. Uh, Sol- Fuck, that was hard. There were a lot of similarities to Elantris, like. The gods themselves, they're kind of just like, they reminded me of the Elantrians, how they just like, all of a sudden kind of transformed into like this other being, this other species almost. And then they get elevated due to that, and they have like these abilities. Well, the Elantrians actually had like a magic ability that they could potentially have used but then um but the gods the the returned they're called in warbreaker they it is assumed in their religion that they have like gifts of foresight that they see it in dreams and images and paintings and such But I'm actually I, glad you you said all that because I had the same feeling when I read that book as well. Okay, thank God. <laughs> no, no, I really it it feels a lot it to me. It feels a lot like Elantris was his first attempt, and Warbreaker was like his second attempt at doing a similar kind of thing, and then it feels like Stormlight is his his awesome. latest latest attempt. But it's it's the same idea of like ascending to a certain um. Well, the, ideal, I guess. In Elantris, the becoming an Elantris is more random. I feel while the returned, they have to do something to become returned. Well, they have to die. Well, yeah, they die, <laughs> but under specific circumstances, like um, like. I think there's right. always an implication, though, that like uh, of being worthy. Yeah. You know. But then Anyways, you get Lightbringer, the main viewpoint from the god's perspective who is like what i thought his name was light song you know what it is i confuse light song and night now what's the what was the sword's name night blood god damn it what am i thinking of lightbringer series yeah the lightbringer series by probably i've never read it so (laughs) um i've also read that Okay, so Light Song is the god that we get his viewpoint. And the whole time that it's, you know, him, he's just like, you know, acolyte of mine, I'm going to give you a new nickname. You are now called Scoot. And then he's just like trying to undermine his own religion and like, I'm not a god. I'm not worthy. Like, I have no reason to be here. I'm useless. Like, he prides himself on his uselessness and how he doesn't, like, do anything or have any influence. And I just... Sounds like a super cool guy. He was pretty chill. 
<laughs> he ate a lot of grapes. Oh, and was really cool. bad at um, stones, tossing stones in jars. But he was really good at that one game. So they, they there was this one game where they, I, they didn't even like explain the rules because Light Song didn't know them, and every time he had his turn, he like just randomly threw like the javelin or whatever the fuck it was, and they were like, oh, five hundred and seventy-two points for the Lord Light Song, and then he was just like, yeah, this doesn't make sense, and this is stupid. I quit. But he never let on that he was not understanding what was going on. Because that was his thing. You, like, have to pretend that you know stuff. And then, like... Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, I think... As I said, I don't know if this is the best entry into, like, the Cosmere. Uh... Just because I think Elantris is better, just to have like the base read reading Elantris before Warbreaker, but that's just my gut feeling. Yeah, I don't know. I I always kind of felt like Elantris stood alone, very very much. Yeah, it's not really like the rest of his work. I don't I th- think it's his first. Yeah, yeah, and it, well, and you, you can, can tell feel it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's it's good, but it's like yeah, you could tell. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, we're. Excluding, but I do like it a lot. We're excluding Peter from this conversation. <laughs> it's cool. I'm taking a nap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, by the way, we didn't tell anybody what like, uh, Warbreaker was about. <laughs> Please. Oh I, wait, that's I, my. I, book. I, I, I kind of assume <laughs> somebody breaks war or something. Like, oh, you guys are fighting. No more. Psh, broke it. Ha ha. Well, yeah, actually, sorry. we all kind of started fangirling. I guess. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Not <Okay>. me. <laughs> so, I guess the main plot is that there's these two kingdoms, and one is like the actual yeah. like ruling class, the actual blood kings, but then they broke off because of a war or some shit. I don't actually remember. Um, so then there they had a treaty where. When the oldest daughter of the king was 22 years old, um, they would send the princess over to marry the god king, um, who was presiding over the the original, the big country. Um, So instead of sending the oldest princess, they sent the youngest princess, who also was kind of, like, prided in her uselessness. Kind of like Light Song. But then, she, now she has this huge responsibility to marry this god, and now she's upset that she doesn't know anything, and she never paid attention in her lessons or anything. Oh, man, and she skipped god-marrying class? She sure yeah. did, because she she's was very- the... Third daughter. So they well, trained dang. the first daughter and the second one, and then they just kind of like, ah, she's redundant. Was the the word that they used? Why? Why oh, I felt they sent her child? Uh, basically, <laughs> the, the king was too attached to his first daughter and wanted her oh, to. I I love I love you more. So let's send a replacement. Yeah. Uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but then, but then uh, the oldest daughter was like, 
Well, now I'm useless since you took away my life's purpose of marrying this god king. And so then she goes into the big city and she like follows her sister and she's like, I'm going to save you. But then she ends up kind of rallying a war almost. Yeah, becoming a figurehead for uh, rebellion. Yeah, she uh, she wanted to do something. And so she did something. It was the Do, wrong doing something. stuff is cool. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, I, yeah. All right. What do you think? You no liked lot. it. You liked the book. I suppose. It had the, the thing that Rachel doesn't like, though. Insta love? Romance? Romance. <laughs> I mean, yeah. all, of, all of those things. Um, but... There was, you know, the the daughter, the princess, she was like 16 or something when she got shipped out. Mm. And the god king was like technically 50, but a youthful, immortal type. And she doesn't like that trope. Yeah, mm. I didn't notice it that much. I might have missed it when I was reading because I was not listening to the audiobook. So it slightly annoys me now. Okay, sorry. Well, I ruined it for you. Boom. Ruin. It's fine. It's, <laughs> well, it's not fine, but, you know. Could yeah, I, I liked it. Um, the magic system is interesting, to say the least. Yeah. It's, it's weird, and it takes quite a bit of brain power to figure it out the first time. Mm-hmm. That you're trying to understand it. Um, they use color for magic. Well, it's breath. Yeah, but it's based from color. Yeah, you gain it's more. Definitely one of the more unique. Magic <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm not even gonna try to explain it because I'm just gonna confuse everybody and myself. And a confused Katie is. Basically like a rhino. They <laughs> yeah. stomp out fires? Exactly. Yes. You caught so, me. So, what did you read, <laughs> Katie? I read Warbreaker by Brandon Sanderson. No, not, not you, Nick. Real Katie. Right. Katie, it's your turn. What did you read, Katie? <laughs> or, or, or as my wife calls him, uh, Sandin Branderson. Oh, I always call him Brando Sando. I call him Sando Brandy Sando. Brandy Sandy. Oh, like a brandy sandwich. Just bread like, dipped I in brandy. I call them on Sundays. Ew. Ew. You know what's actually really fun? I knew somebody named um, Brandon Anderson Holy when I was shit. in high school. Was his middle name S? I have no idea, but Silvio. I just thought that was a fun fact. Brandon Silvio Anderson. Silvio? Yeah, Silvio. Not yeah, that's like actually, Scott. That's Nico's middle name. No, Silvio. Nicodemus. Yeah, Nicodemus Silvio. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, Nicoladimus. Nicoladimus. Nicoladimus Silvio. This is oh ridiculous. All right, Katie, go ahead. Yeah, oh, bring it, Katie. That's me. I'm so glad we have listeners who will understand that that's what that's how it's I'm supposed to the, sound. I was 
looking at the statistics, apparently we have like 200 listeners. What? Yeah, they'd be wild, these people. <laughs> Wait, what are you guys doing with your time? Look, if we have that many listeners, then <laughs> we, we have way too few uh, bookshelf pictures. We have like. Yeah, one. what the fuck, guys? All right, but we will get to that at the end of the show. Katie, take us away. All right, I'm actually going to. It's Nick here, by the way. Uh, Nicholas, Katie. <laughs> so <laughs> not to be confused with Katie Nicholas. Right. <laughs> no, um, no, no. I'm actually going to uh, bring up a third book that I've already brought up in the past. Although I, I don't know if I've ever actually publicly talked about it. I've talked about it with you guys. <laughs> um, I, don't, like, I can. I can tell you. <laughs> I, I think that we refrained from talking about it because I had some problems with the first book, but I kept going. I, I am on the edge of my seat. What, what is it? This is, I, I, I'm going to talk about the Spellmonger series. Oh, no. <laughs> by Terry Mancor. Because I had some issues and I had some, I, I think, some very legitimate issues and criticisms of the first book and even just in general the early books uh, however like, isn't there like 20 bazillion yeah i'm like 11 books in plus like a second series that he did so it's it's uh yeah i'm pretty deep in at this point nice <laughs> dick joke for you there <laughs> <laughs> thank you uh, our god of dick jokes and, and justice Yes. <laughs> All right. According and, to the internet, there are 14 books. Yeah. So I'm on book 11, and then there's also a spinoff mini series that there are three of that I've read, and then there's also some uh, no novellas that I've also which read. Is, which is funny. I'm about to start book 11 of The Wheel of Time. That's Jeez. adorable, yeah, I, you guys. That is another uh, series that I started. I'm, I only did book one so far, but I am going to be getting deeper into Wheel of Time as well. Which I have what? been enjoying a lot. Mm. Anyway, let's watch Spellmongers. But yes, yeah, Spellmonger. Um, I I will say that I feel like the characters in the story, as well as the writer, uh, were maturing as the books went on. And I, it it is tough for me to tell now if it was like, and I'd have to probably re-listen or reread. But it is tough to tell if the earlier books were immature and problematic because the character was immature and problematic and he was supposed to grow, or if just the writer just was that way. But as the books have gone on, I've gotten really sucked in and I don't, the issues that I had with the earlier ones, I can say confidently are not there anymore. Uh, okay. Which is, yeah. So. But the gods, I want to talk a little bit about how the gods work in this series. Um, I am nervous because I don't want to spoil too much, and that might be a little hard. Hmm. Okay, do we so, want to like, do we want to do a little like spoiler block? Okay, people, this is your chance to fast forward to a timestamp that we will tell you later, something like that. Nah, I think it's fine. All right. Um, Spoilers, I, just, you buggers. This is your one I'll, warning. Yeah, I'll try to talk around it as much as possible, and if you guys ask certain questions, I might just say, I don't want to say. <laughs> I don't like that um, question. I don't want to answer it. It's not, yeah, it's not so much about how the gods work that's surprising. It's more um, some of the greater implications of it. Oh but, my god, one um, of the 
The book 13 is called Foot Wizard. Peter, <laughs> he must be one of your patrons. No, you're his patron? Wait, what? I don't understand. Foot. You're the Foot god wizard. of lost left feet. Socks. Oh, I see. Right, lost left, Shit. lost left feet. <laughs> yes. Yes, all the people Foot, who have lost Foot their feet. <laughs> Foot wizard in this case refers to a traveling wizard who doesn't like have like a home. It's like they're always on foot. Oh, okay, it's just, it's just like, that like makes... really, really, foot wizard. That's, that's I a can magically paint your toenails. <laughs> I know it. It sounds like <laughs> out of context. It sounds really dumb. Honestly, in context, it sounds kind of dumb too. So, uh, anyway, lay it on me, Mister Man. What's your what's what's the I forget. Oh. How, tell us about these gods, yo. Yeah, yeah. So, so the gods uh, work in mostly a traditional fashion, where they have their spheres of influence, and they appear when invoked. They can act within their sphere, and then they leave. You know, that's kind of how you expect things to work. Uh, however, this series is a pro progression fantasy, and um, as he gets more powerful, this main character has essentially power—not equivalent to by any means, but power over the gods in a way um, because it turns out that these gods once they are invoked and then they're done they don't just go on to their merry way and you know go have tea in their house or whatever they essentially stop existing and they only exist when invoked or when certain conditions are met meaning I that see. they don't they don't have full memories of like of they, the intervening they are, time, like they're kind of like yes, natural they're an processes, ideal. or yeah, or um, that yeah. So they only really are personified when you, when a a wizard or whatever like shapes them into a person. Not not even a wizard, really. It's just whenever um, whenever they're invoked, that's when they exactly. manifest, and when that's the only times man. they really exist as people. Right. And um, interesting. So the gods are purely the magic system, essentially, or one of the magic systems of the humans. So there are mm -hmm. there are there are other races on this planet, including essentially what would be the equivalent of elves or dwarves. But gods only exist from humans for humans. They are human created ideals and entities. Um, and the main character here essentially has. Um, he he's accidentally created many of these gemstones that have magical properties. One of them that he's created is a property that gives persistence. And so he kind mm. of strikes deals with these gods to help him in stopping a great evil, but in exchange and in exchange he'll give them persistence. Right, so they can exist between invocations. Right. And so what becomes really cool about this um is he kind of has to like pick and choose which gods are um powerful enough to help but also not dangerous enough that <laughs> because if you give persistence to the God of war, then there's just going to be like eternal war and destruction. Right. Right. So instead that he's choosing. Bad. Yeah. So he's choosing to give persistence to like essentially what would be considered lesser gods. Like there's a, a goddess of like milk and cows, you know, <laughs> and mm -hmm. it's just, it's, it's very interesting to see like his interactions with these different gods and which ones he chooses to give persistence to. And, um, and, and yeah, there are some greater implications to the idea that only humans can create these gods, which I just 
I find really cool, but I I don't want to spoil um some of the deeper lore background to the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned problematic elements. I don't know if you want to go into that here or not. Uh, but like, we can talk about it a little bit. But like, really, just like the first books is just kind of like there aren't a lot of female characters. The ones that are there are mostly just sexualized. Not really. They don't have. They're reductive. Yeah, it's, you know, but um, a lot of those female characters that are introduced in the first books and also in later books, more female characters are introduced. They have more importance. They have personalities. They are not, you know, it, 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 it does get better significantly, in my opinion, as time goes on. And to a degree, I think part of that actually comes from the main character himself getting married, having children, getting older and so now I'm like, was it his perspective that I was seeing? Because it, it is told from first-person perspective. Um, it is actually written first-person from that character's point of view. Um, so I, I, I don't know. It's, it might be a mix of either the, the writer himself getting more mature as a writer and recognizing those mistakes and trying to rectify them, or the character himself getting more mature. Interesting. Yeah, I could see, I could see that. It could be both. It could be neither. I don't even know. But it's, mm-hmm. it, I, in my opinion, I think those problems uh, did go away by maybe a little late, maybe like book three or four before they really mm-hmm. started to go away. Um, but but they do. And later he writes some uh, books, um, Hawk Maiden, about uh, one of the the main wizard's apprentices, who's a young girl. Uh, there is still an element of, like, this is set in sort of, like, medieval so uh, time, so there is still some medieval tendencies to, like, you know, when girls are, like, 14, 15, 16, they're already thinking about getting married kind of thing, and there is still elements of that, which you see even in series like Game of Thrones and stuff. Mm-hmm. But at least people have, you know, personalities and value outside of their gender and body. As that's time nice. on. Yeah. that's that's a positive. So, but yeah, I I I, I do think that the 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 way the gods worked in the series is pretty cool. That is um, pretty cool. Yeah, and it, it is sort of you know we learn all of these different, like I said, these different races have their own magic. So to know that this is in many ways the magic of humans, I find to be interesting. Yeah. So, well, I um, hope you um. Oh yeah, no. I was gonna say so. I I like I like the Spellmonger series. Um, I'm not sure I'd recommend the Spellmonger series. It's one of those. It's an interesting distinction. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's like we we talked about this in my other podcast too. Sometimes there's a lot of movies that we like, but I wouldn't recommend. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of this is kind of one of those for books personally, but. Well, I I hope you're looking forward to reading Foot Wizard. I can't believe that's a name of one of them. I it's oh, really man. a silly choice. And also I'm like I'm flipping through like I'm looking at the series now and one of the um I'm looking at Knights Magi. Mm-hmm. And the little like book summary on Amazon just like screams out in my brain to be read like a 19 uh you know 40s or 30s like radio announcer. You know, yeah, I can see that. attack. When the mage lord Minalan, the spellmonger's two apprentices, t- 
uh, Tyndall and Rondell were knighted after the Battle of Timberwatch. They were like a Star Wars crawl. Yes, it's like a Star Wars crawl title card. Yeah, a new class of nobility for distinguished time. Anyway. Yeah, it's it's it, like it's definitely not a perfect series, but it is entertaining. I'm tempted. and he he writes a lot of books fast, which I also like because I mm. hate waiting. Sure, I'm tempted, but I don't know if I can get past the first three three books. I mean, you'll know uh, certainly in the first book. I mean, Midland gets medieval. I mean, I'll just tell you this right now: there's a character who specializes in sex magic. If you can't get over that, don't read it. That's a really good warning. Oh, wait. Katie has joined the chat. Hey, Katie. (laughs) To his troubles, a jealous rival mage, a motley band of mercenaries, a delusional liege lord who insists victory is at hand despite the hordes at his door, a dour castellan, a moody pregnant girlfriend, and a catty ex-girlfriend who specializes in sex magic. Oh, that type of sex magic, not the fun sex magic. Wait, wait, what are you doing? What, what, what are the different? What? <laughs> which is the fun type and which is this type? How are you distinguishing? The one where the, the person casting it is not the jealous ex. Oh. Now, that's, a, that's not even a fair description at all. That's not even true. She's not a jealous ex, like at all. Oh. <laughs> no, they're well, best friends. Catty, but... no, no, they are best friends. Like they totally get along. Well, it, there's cool. no contention at all. It's very oh, weird. Okay. Never mind. I, 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 I was hearing the description. I was like, that's the boring type. I know. No, it's totally misleading. <laughs> but yeah. <sighs> so that, that well, is that. That is the book I read. That is Spellmonger by Terry Mancour. Yeah. And I, I'll also say, like, the gods don't appear in that series until much later. So I, I'm not technically sure which book i'm reviewing specifically i'm just kind of talking about sure. the series yeah that's cool it reminds pardon it reminds me a little bit of shoot i'm trying to remember the series name um let's well, see actually while while you think about that i will actually yes. mention one other thing that i kind of just remembered um it is sort of revealed too that these gods um their actual form that they take on, since they literally don't exist between invocations, the form they take on tends to be of, like, one of their most uh, uh, devoted devotees of the past to their sphere of influence. So they actually, like, take on the form of humans who, like, either past worshipped them or past exemplified their sphere Mm. of influence. That's neat. Which is, like, a fun little thing. Yeah. Uh, so I was thinking of Daniel Abraham's Long Price Quartet. The first book is A Shadow in Summer. And they're not, it's it's like people, poets, like some kind of poet sorcerers or something have the ability to invoke godlike spirits or spirits. I don't, they don't think they call them gods, but they feel very similar to what you're describing. And like they invoke them in a way through like poetry and description and thereby like bind them. Um, And I think in this, like in the books, there's, there's often kind of like a struggle as to like the spirit is trying to become unbound so it can kind of vanish and, and be 
you know, undescribed. Yeah, I will tell you when I read the series. <laughs> yeah, I think I read the first couple. I, I, I mean to go back and read the whole shebang. But anyway. Um, all right. Thank you, Katie. And it's now a Peter's turn. It is I, Peter. And it is my turn. And before I begin, I'm just going to make a tiny note that I wrote a novel that is yet unpublished that is all about uh, characters reproducing uh, uh, the miracles that have been granted on Earth by, by some god, um, which they consider the god, and they get to do some sorts of magic by reproducing those, the circumstances in which those original miracles happened. Um, it's awesome. Peter, you can't talk about your own stuff on here. What the hell? I just did, and you can't undo it. There's no That's... delete function. There's no way to edit this out. I've infected <laughs> your computer with my brain virus. It's yeah. too late now. The whole world knows about it, and I will become powerful and rich. Coming exclusively to uh, Griffin's uh, BT. That's right. Griffin's Roost BT yeah. has, has the sole publishing no right. print, uh, sales authorization for cool. a small Go miracle me. by peter schaefer anyway all right the book <laughs> i actually read was called gods of jade and shadow oh i read that yeah i thought you had uh by sylvia moreno garcia um i quite enjoyed it um, it describes itself as a, a fairy tale rooted in Mexican mythology, um, mostly Mayan mythology. Um, but of course, that is all kind of bound up in the Mexican uh, kind of the tapestry of Mexican history and culture. Um, yeah, I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, it It had the sort of God that we opened with discussing um, the, you know, that, that Rachel gave us right up front, the, the sort of God that relies on uh, faith and, and attention, belief and worship. Um, and that's what makes one of the gods, a very compelling character because uh there's a young woman who feels very trapped in her circumstances in 1920s Mexico, which I thought was just a great like space and time for the author to bring to life. And she did a great job. Um, and, uh, and this, this young woman in a moment of like rebellion against her oppressive family releases a, a trapped God of death and then has to go on an adventure with him to uh, help help him regain the the parts of himself that he has lost and reclaim his throne. Um, it was a lot of fun. It felt very fairy tale-y in a lot of parts, and uh, and I just I really enjoyed, you know, the growth. Uh, you know, it felt it had a lot of it had a lot of folk tale feeling to it and i really enjoyed that while still being just like a really well-written novel um that also 
really well realized its antagonist as well. Yes, Rachel. Yeah, I was going to say I enjoyed it, but I felt the middle ending part was very draggy, in my opinion. Hmm. No, I felt pretty compelled for the end. So, uh, you know, that different is the strokes. middle ending part. Not the end. Not the ending ending, the middle ending. Okay, well, I, you know, I don't know which part that is. And I, I, I didn't feel dragged. I read it in six or seven hours. And, uh, and uh, you know, like I was, I was engaged. Yeah, it's probably because I don't get along with like fairy tale prose that well. So. That might be it. Anyway, uh, I quite enjoyed it. Um, I don't have a lot more to say about it. You know, it is a uh, it is a space time that we, at least that I don't see a lot of in fantasy fiction. Uh, that being oh, both Central America and the twenties. Um, mm-hmm. So. More popular yeah. now. I can think about three books at least set in the twenties in different places. What um, are they? Uh, uh, now you've all. done it. Uh, I have. <laughs> these violent delights are set in nineteen twenty Shanghai. Um, the other Nevo, the uh, beautiful and the chosen, is nineteen twenties. Uh, I think it's a Great Gatsby retelling, and I don't know where it's set, but I know also it's set in the nineteen twenties. That's cool. Okay, probably cool. just because we're in the twenty twenties now, so everybody's like, "Oh my god, the Roaring Twenties!" Yeah, we are not in the Roaring Twenties. We no. are well. Like, some people, I'm roaring, but like not. In no, the way this is this is like the suffing twenties or something. The, <laughs> the, I will tell you, it is the roaring twenties if you look at comparisons. But I'll keep it. Actually, mind. yeah, no, I, I've read something about like how like wasn't there an, uh, a pandemic around this yeah. exact same time a hundred years ago? Oh yeah, yeah, nineteen eighteen to nineteen yeah. twenty one, and it was yeah. it was the later half of the twenties until the big crash in twenty nine. I think that is correct. Anyway, so, so, maybe we're on yeah, our way, we'll, folks. <laughs> for a big crash? Well, for a nice like five years and then a big crash. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> Thank you for that. Okay, so, so you know, we, I don't want to spoil too much or anything. I just I really enjoyed it. Um, but not to keep honking on my own horn, um, but bringing up my book, which has a a god that people refer to over and over again well before uh, but, you do that uh what's the book you actually read though i read gods of jade and shadow by sylvia moreno garcia and i thought it was lovely okay just making sure we can get that call out before you switch topics um well, okay so i'm 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 hopping back to the discussion portion of the podcast with like because we talked about you know, gods that work as characters because they need something and they have weaknesses and gods that work as plot devices because they are, you know, entities that that impose destiny or, you know, give quests or just have powers that affect things. Um, but what about gods that aren't present, right? In In my book, the god is, you know, people refer to a god all the time. And they say that these miracles are from God and they're just reproducing them or kind of recalling them. But the God does not actually take an action in the wheel of time, which of course I mentioned earlier, 
the dark one, the evil God figure is influencing the world, but the creator that everyone, you know, mentions and assumes is, is real, as far as I can tell, is never doing anything. It is a non-interventionist God. Like, it's like, is that a, is that like a third category of God for, for, for fantasy books? How do we feel about that? Um, yeah, because I've, the Fateful and the Fallen series by John Gwynn has the very similar god system to Wheel of Time, where you have the light god with its followers, but you never see this light god, you only see, you hear the followers, or these, an uh, I forgot what they're actually called, but they look like they're basic people with wings, so angels, mm -hmm. um, uh, say that he exists, and say this is prophecies from him, yada, 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 but you have the dark god that Osirfo. That's okay. I've never said never said his name out loud. Uh, and you're the, not going to start now. Nope. It's ash. It, it starts with an A, and there's offs at the but end. He's trying. Yep. Anyways, um, he uh, he is constant. You see him, and you the main characters fight him, uh, and he is an entity in the world. Right, but not the not the god of good or whatever, and that's yeah, that's so interesting. I, I I would think the series has influence from the Wheel of Time, uh, or it could be from mythology as well, because <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I was thinking there's the uh, Merlin saga by uh, T. A. Baron, which has similar gods, where you have Dagda. Um, and Rita Gower, best names of gods, I think. <laughs> you have Dagda, the, the, the stag, pure god, and Rita Gower, this like giant boar creature. Um, and Rita Gower, Rita Gower is like more influencing the world versus Dagda. So, like, is there a virtue in fantasy to having gods that? don't actually do anything that don't take a hand that are just believed I, in yeah i almost it almost strikes me as we've talked about gods as characters gods as plot and what you're discussing is gods as setting yeah i guess that's right gods as you know background or right yeah, like not specifically thing. setting but like you know they mm -hmm. exist in the setting they exist yeah, just yeah. as a piece of setting rather than um, so yeah, and, and, and I think all three absolutely have their place for sure. It, I think it depends more on how the story is told and if people will enjoy it, um, than the purpose of gods themselves. Well, that's, that's why I like the ones that just, you know, they're, they're background things. They're just like, you know, every once in a while, you know, they'll, the main character or something will curse on the using their name or something but like all in all they don't really do anything it, and i, I like I, that yeah they're kind of they're kind of like a like a glass cannon or like a nuclear bomb like it's a dangerous weapon when you introduce a god into a story and you have to use it carefully i feel like uh because it's i don't used incorrectly can really just destroy all tension in the story is at least the way i see it 
Are we answering the question or are we dancing around the question? I don't know. What's the question? Uh, I think we're having just like a very weird discussion. <laughs> Which is, this is my favorite kind of discussion is where I don't totally, I'm not sure it's all totally coherent because we're all just kind of like speaking out of our minds right now. Just like, whoa, that's deep, man. Yeah, We're you know? Speaking out of our minds. I feel like I'm, like, high in a Wendy's parking lot like I was when I was 15 again, you know? No. <laughs> That's very specific. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> you should have seen me when I was 15. It was a very specific kind of time. We don't have much to do in Connecticut in the winter. Yeah, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Anyways, Peter, um, did we answer your question? Peter. Well, Peter has disappeared. Oh, yeah. I, I think I bumped my thing and it was silenced. I was silenced. Oh, that's oh. why we. That's why we couldn't hear you. I was expecting a response from Peter earlier. Yeah, what did I? Th I'm pretty sure I responded to you. What was the question? Did we answer your question? <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah we were we were talking about stuff, so I think that was the that was the answer. Okay. Then we went to. Nick being high in a Wendy's parking lot. Oh, I was making jokes. Yeah, I made a great joke about that, and everyone missed it because I had my microphone off. That seems Make like a out. you problem. It is a me problem, and I feel just so sad. But listen, listen, God of dick jokes, can you sing us out? Dick jokes! Perfect. But can we have an actual ending, please? Yeah, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> all right. So this is probably longer than most of you guys usually last. But um, um but so here wow. we go. <laughs> it's only wow. an hour and a half. <laughs> I know. Uh, okay. That's a long time. That is a long funny time. how Peter and I were both thinking that sounds like a long time to me. <laughs> Maybe for you guys. <laughs> It is, and I'm not ashamed of that. <laughs> oh my god. You can't shame me, Rachel. I can't. Right. <laughs> so, we've got Katie, who's actually Nick. Where can we find That's you? That's me. There you go. <laughs> god damn it. <laughs> Yeah, you can listen to the um, the other shows we do on TooManyThoughtsMedia.com. And uh, you can uh, reach out to me on the Discord. That's probably the best place to talk to me these days. He doesn't exist on the interwebs. I just don't nope. have time. He's just yeah. a fake person. <laughs> okay, Mr. Acolyte. <laughs> um, so that was him. Um, and then... Over on lead vocals, we've got Rachel. <laughs> I was like, who are you going to go there? Uh, hi, I'm Rachel. You can find me most everywhere uh, at Argent Rabe. I've been trying to be more active on Instagram, and I, I'm now taking over the F-Bomb Instagram on Tuesday Thoughts Media, making lovely, lovely uh, pictures. Hopefully they're lovely. We'll see. Yeah, uh, the god of organization over here. I think they're lovely. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Nick. Thank you for valuing me. Uh, well, no, excuse me. I'm the god of logistics. 
Logistics. That's a good one. Yes. Yes. If you need to pray to me, uh, get out your Excel spreadsheet and put in the formula for uh, type in blood. The <laughs> yes. Uh, give me your blood via X, uh, Excel spreadsheets and I will get your data uh, compiled and neatly exported for you. That's crazy. Yeah. I'm in. All right. Um, I am Nick Katie. You can find me on Twitter at ShimmyBook, where I tweet if I remember I have it. I've got a uh, used, mostly used book website where I sell them. Um, that's Griffin's Roost Beach. Shut up, Peter. Griffin's Roost Um, and then finally on the drums, we've got Peter. I'm Peter Schaefer. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Anything for you, Katie. <laughs> Um, you and Doug. Um, God damn it. <laughs> we almost made a full episode without the, the, the husband ceiling. I was not going to let that go. Um, I'm Peter Shaver. You can find me on Twitter at Shoeless Pete. You can find me online at uh, www.shoelesspetegames.com where I uh, make, uh, design, and sell games like role playing games. You can buy my role-playing game, The Well, if you want to be explorers who live in an underground city and have to go find lost treasures in abandoned cities that they have moved out to filled with reanimated ancestors that are trying to kill them. And we just released, and by we I mean I, I just released my first supplement for this game, which is imaginatively titled Additional Denizens of the Well. Um, and there's zombie teeth. And there are there are well there are tooth swarms, flying swarms of teeth. There are um, uh, you know your, revenants. Your bats are scary. There are bone bats, which are made up of little skulls with hand wings attached to them. And uh, additional denizens has things like the houndipede, which is a whole bunch of dogs in a row bound together, or the unparrot which is an undead parrot that will watch you and then scream to attract more dangerous monsters. Or Peter, the skull you're boulder. kind of a jerk. What the fuck uh, are these creep-ass things? These are creep-ass things that you can use in your role-playing game when you're playing The Well by Peter Schaefer. Um, <laughs> I think that's... I'm done talking now. Oh, wait. Send us your bookshelves. Also, give us if you uh, no, give us don't send us your bookshelves. Send us picture. <laughs> no, 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 no. Ship me your entire bookshelf so I can alphabetize it or do it, organize it however the fuck I want. Just not by Jimmy. spine color. Not that's yeah. not okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, please give give us a review on Apple Podcasts if you want to, and we will read it out on air and give you if, a thank if you if we like it. Yeah. If you tell us we suck, we'll cry. If, if if the review just says Peter's a poo poo head, actually, I would read that aloud. Yeah, it, it would probably. I don't think it's you that's a poo poo head. I think it's the me that's a poo poo head. Actually, yeah, everyone go on Apple Podcasts and write Peter's a poo poo head as but, a comment. But I will, and I will read that aloud and attribute it to you, but only if it's a five star review. Yeah, four star. I'll take a four. Fine, fine. Nick, you're cheap. <laughs> I ain't going to three. All right, let me just say that right now. 
least one of you that's listening. I swear. There's probably at least one of you that's listening right now. That wants to call me a poo-poo head. Yes. So do it. Do it. And also, keep reading. Coward. <laughs> Peter, you screwed up my line. And what was your line? I'm sorry. I was going to say, and also, keep reading. Oh, that would have been a great sign-out. <laughs>